0: Chapter 7 of Homecraft Rugs, Their Historic Development, Romance of Stitchery, and Method of Making by Lydia LeBaron Walker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joanne Turner. Crocheted Rugs. This chapter references color plates 2, 3, 5, 11, and 15, which may be viewed in the online version of this book. Part 1. Inspiration and Development Though crocheted rugs are a late contribution to floor coverings, the ancestry of the stitch which composes them is old beyond computation. As chain stitch, it reverts to remote ages in such forms as timbre work and link stitch embroidery wrought with a needle through a fabric. It was only when chain stitch became sufficient unto itself and apart from a fabric foundation, that it assumed its present guise and became an agent of manual expression suited to rug craft. In its new phase of evolution, the stitch itself remains identical. The rugs can be full of the spirit of the Orient. Harking back to the period when the stitchery was known in another form, or they can be so imbued with the spirit of modernity that their novelty is in unison with the youthfulness of the craft, which is the last to be directed to the making of floor coverings. Crocheted rugs can be made with a smooth-faced surface or with a pile, left in loops or sheared, and all with the one tool, a crochet hook or needle. To these finishes can be added the corrugated or fluted, and the embossed surfaces, fashioned by manipulating the units after they have been crocheted. The craft of crocheting is a modest one, yet second to none in point of popularity. The rhythm and simplicity of the technique combine to set the stamp of favor upon it, as well as the sense that a rug is entirely completed with the taking of the final crochet stitch. binding lining or other finishing is not necessary. The one exception to this is found in those rugs in which units are crocheted separately and assembled to complete the whole, as seen in the quaint lozenge rugs of olden times, but more especially in ultra-modern types. The amazing rapidity with which crocheting develops, particularly in the coarse mediums suited to rug craft, scores another point in its favor especially as none of the beauty of the completed rug is sacrificed. Mistakes can be detected quickly and corrected. Like fancy work, the rug can be carried about since no frame or loom is used. It is no wonder that crocheted floor coverings find so large a number of interested craftsmen. The first mention of crochet is in the 16th century. When it is recorded as being done in Europe, but in so slight a way as to make little impression upon needlecraft of that era. The date given may indicate the approximate time when crocheting originated, or it may merely signify its appearance in laces, the making of which was an engrossing occupation of needlewomen, especially in Italy and Spain. It is certain that, at present, No examples of crochet before that period are extant, nor any previous word about the craft as apart from the stitchery of embroidery done with a hook. According to present knowledge, crochet first appeared and came to us through laces. It is interesting to note that, even up to the last quarter of the 19th century, chain stitch was being done on a fabric with a hook as well as a needle though the latter was more visual. Viewed from this distance of time, the transition from an embroidery to a separate craft seems entirely natural. Not until 300 years after its first appearance did crochet come to the forefront of stitchery as a loop-woven textile. Its travels, meantime, had led into many a convent, where it went by the name of nun's work. Into Ireland, where it still lingers in the famed Irish Point or Honiton lace, as important in the craft as the geep of Spain, to America, where less than a hundred years ago it became an agent in the construction of floor coverings. It takes some stretch of the imagination to bridge the distance between the delicate crocheted laces and sturdy crocheted rugs which followed the vogue for crocheted capes, shawls, and coupiers, or Afghans, as they were more commonly called, deriving their name from the Afghan stitch by which they were constructed. In the last named article was the closest counterpart to the crocheted rug, and Afghan stitch, also called Tunisian stitch, is among those well adapted to rug craft. Fitting indeed that it should be, for it takes us back to the Orient, home of rug making. It is from Herat, the capital of Afghanistan, that the famous Harati rugs come, also the design which bears the name of that city and is one of the best-known rug patterns. But it is not alone through this stitch that crochet has an oriental flavor. One specific style of work in Russian stitch bears the name oriental crochet, interchangeably with that of tapestry crochet. In this ingenious work, embodying all the fascination of color to be found in cross-stitch and embroidered tapestry rugs, lies an almost untouched field in rug craft. It presents an extraordinary opportunity to develop the finest kind of smooth-faced crocheted rugs with every appearance of complicated stitchery, yet minus technical difficulties. Colors can be introduced at will to accord with the requirements of an intricate pattern. There is the conciseness of cross-stitch and precision of tapestry, coupled with the rapidity already referred to as inherent in crochet. One color can be discarded for another as easily as if an embroidery needle were the tool, instead of a crochet needle. Ends do not have to be fastened off immediately they are allowed to hang from the back of the work until again needed if not required for several rows or not in sufficiently close proximity to be brought readily to the new part of the crochet the yarn is cut and the end left shaggy as in genuine oriental schmekme rugs wherever the color is called for in the pattern again it can be inserted anew as easily as if continuing with the color already on the needle The facility with which stitchery and design can be brought into unison in crochet is exemplified in the ship rug pictured. It is no more difficult to work than as if in hooked rug craft. In crochet, it is unique. It is in oriental or tapestry crochet that this ship rug is wrought. It can be seen at a glance that there is no restriction as to colors, nor is there any in design either beyond that which pertains to stitch formation. This is characteristic not alone of crochet, but of all textiles, however fashioned, where pattern is brought out in the weave. The ship rug is shown in color on plate two. The rug bears a design of old iron sides, originated in crochet by the illustrator to fill an increasing demand in this renaissance of ships and handicraft. Many sailing vessels built in America have been depicted on hooked rugs, but this is the first venture of such in crochet rug craft. Old Ironsides is a welcome leader of this fleet. This frigate of high destiny, the first ship to sail under the United States War Department, was christened the Constitution, but given the endearing title of Old Ironsides for her valiant service. As here depicted, the vessel is sailing a tranquil sea under pleasant twilight skies. Her sails swell in the breeze, and flags and pennants are flying. The rug belongs distinctly to the pictorial type of floor covering, which fact makes the design admirably suited to a wall hanging in either crochet or cross-stitch. For this, or for the lining of a glass tray, A fine yarn such as Germantown or Tapestry should be chosen. The rug is done to scale, three stitches to the inch, as rag crochet strands in one inch width, work up or three-ply jute, as well as the extra heavy rug yarns. The size of the rug, therefore, is four feet three inches by three feet. The colors are soft and unobtrusive, yet the gallant frigate stands out proudly. The border of the interlocking wave motifs is delightfully consistent, adding another marine unit, while the outer border in wood tone encloses the picture as if framed in weathered driftwood. Russian stitch, see page 119, is used in developing the rug. This is a plain crochet, always worked in one direction, As is customary in oriental crochet. When a contrasting color is introduced, it starts invariably in the final loop of the preceding stitch. Each stitch is approximately one square of color. This smooth-faced rug surface is uninterrupted and uniform in textile formation. No knots are required in the work, nor do loose ends ever appear on the right side, but are always left hanging on the wrong. Full directions for making will be found at the back of the book, as the reduced size of the illustration makes it somewhat difficult to discern the cross bars that designate stitches, as in cross stitch patterns. It may be added that the rug can be carried out in cross stitch by following the same color directions. The size of the rug will then depend entirely upon the size of the canvas mesh. If that having four holes to an inch is employed, the rug will be approximately two feet by three feet four inches. While rug yarns would naturally be selected for this work, it is possible, when doing it on the coarsest canvas, to use rag strands one quarter or one half inch wide. Those cut from silk stockings lend themselves well. Simple color work of the type distinguishing oriental crochet can also be carried out in afghan stitch. This crochet is always worked on the right side, without being turned, an essential not to be overlooked. The rows are worked back and forth, and not invariably in one direction, as in tapestry crochet, and it takes two journeys, or rows, to complete each stitch. See plate three. This must be remembered, for, in introducing color, it has to be started in the loop row, and be finished in the chain row. As afghan stitches worked in strips, designs are generally somewhat simpler than in tapestry crochet. Strips can be joined with the precision of breadths of carpets, making patterns match exactly. A duplex or tricolor tapestry, oriental crochet, is used when not more than three colors are required. In this work, The color or colors not in use form the filler over which the crocheting is done. Each new color is introduced from the filler, as required by the pattern, and must commence in the final loop of the tone being discarded, which latter color now takes its place as filler. Always take up both loops of the stitch in the preceding row, row stitch. The strands not in use are disposed of invisibly when worked over. Tricolor tapestry crochet can be used to add decoration to otherwise plain crocheted rugs by having such borders worked at each end. The design can be taken from the wallpaper of the room for which it is intended, or from a crêtonne, chintz, or other ornamental textile, not to mention some embroidered design used in the decorative scheme of the room. A small motif should be selected, for it will be greatly enlarged in rug craft owing to the size of the stitch. By squaring off a pattern by cross lines, each square being equal to one-third or one-quarter inch to accord with the size of a stitch in rag or rug yarn mediums, it is easy to note the exact enlargement. One motif can be crocheted in repetition throughout a border strip variety being instilled by the shading, or the motif can be given variety by working each in a different color. This is a favorite method with oriental rug makers. When these rugs are developed in chambray, using gray, sage green, ecru, orchid, etc. to give the plain toned field, and the shades in the tapestry border strip are in artistic harmony, The rugs are similar to the familiar power loom style, popular for bedrooms, bathrooms, nurseries, etc., and on which patterns are stenciled. These loom rugs are sometimes called pictorial, or floral rag rugs, according to the type of pattern imprinted. The cost is little or nothing, according to the medium employed. If new cloth or candle wick is used, a trifling cost is involved. If the material from discarded summer frocks and house dresses is the medium, the cost is nothing. The simplest form of two-color crochet is the warp and weft, in which the filler, weft, is visible. In it, no pattern is introduced. The decorative element in such rugs consists of color contrasts, glimpsed through the mesh of stitchery. To increase the spaces sufficiently to give this effect, one chain stitch is taken between each plain crochet stitch. Colored twine and jute are excellent warp mediums. The string is worked over a strip of cambric one and three quarters inches wide and folded to a width of one half inch. As the crocheting progresses over it, the goods crushes until it is actually but one quarter inch wide. A heavier filler or weft should be cut narrower. Any tub material can be used for wash rugs. They launder best when string is the warp. Considering the simplicity of workmanship, these rugs are surprisingly decorative and are very economical. They are recommended for kitchen rugs and simple summer cottages. These floor coverings can also be developed in woolen rags and yarn. Another style of the warp and weft rug is made with the primary medium concealed. When this is the case, the filler is used to supply extra thickness. The medium for the actual stitchery should be somewhat narrower than that for ordinary crocheted rugs. A width of 1 half inch is sufficient and 1 quarter inch if the medium is stout. Color can be brought into plain crocheting that is worked continuously merely by discarding one color and taking up another without crocheting over the unwanted strand, except for the distance required by the motif. This method is frequently employed when some very small motif is introduced into a rug field otherwise solid in color. The arrowhead is a good example of a motif to be used thus. See plate 11. So also are the diamond, triangle and hourglass motifs the Greek cross, swastika, and innumerable other separate motifs. Material is conserved when motifs are introduced thus, although it can only be done satisfactorily when they are few and far between. Loose ends of medium must be carefully interwoven through the stitchery to dispose of them neatly. If they are laced around strands of their own color, they can be concealed best. Designs will be clear-cut only if, when changing color, the new one is used to complete the stitch just preceding. This can be done by using the new color for the final loop in the previous stitch. This is essential in all color work crochet. The rug maker who once uses colorwork crochet will soon find herself copying oriental motifs direct from rugs, from cross-stitch patterns, beadwork designs, etc. A whole new range of rug possibilities in the craft of crochet is revealed. When colors and patterns are oriental, and the rugs are made in heavy strands of woolen textile or heavy woolen yarn. They become choice examples of crocheted, homecraft rugs. This also is true when quaint old types of patterns are revived, as in the ship rug pictured. The use of pattern in crocheted rugs is by no means confined to the styles of work described. It is a feature of crocheted rugs in general, but in none can the intricacy of pattern be developed through an indefinite number of tones, as in Oriental crochet wrought in Russian stitch. Two and three color tapestry crochet come next in color possibilities capable of development in smooth-faced rug surfaces. In pile crochet, another style of rug and method of employing color are open to discussion and will be considered later. When designs characteristic of afghan carpets are worked into homecraft rugs in Oriental crochet, there is a result highly consistent. To promote this similarity, use turcoman, blood red, for the field background. This is a deep, dull red. Have the motifs in rich blue, brownish yellow or deep orange, or a very deep ivory or pale amber. They may be further accented and made more typical by outlining in dark brown. All these colors should be combined in one rug. In the Herati motifs, an entirely different type is apparent. Notwithstanding the fact that Herat is the capital of Afghanistan, the rugs bearing the name are distinctly Persian in pattern. The situation of this city is so close to the Persian border that it is accountable for the trend. The Harati motif, known as the fish or twin fish because of its resemblance to the sea creatures, is so popular that it is said to appear in some one of its adapted forms in approximately half of all oriental rugs. In its present guise, it has been modified to suit crochet, Each square represents one crochet stitch. The pear motif is almost as popular and is known by innumerable names, such as River Loop, Crown Jewel, Flame, etc. In Herodic carpets, all the stems in every row turn in the same direction. By changing the direction of the stems in alternate rows, Saraband and Shiraz characteristics prevail. Whatever the slant of the motif, the stem is invariably toward the top of the rug. In adapting patterns which form such a strong feature of crocheted rugs, basketry will be found a fertile source of inspiration. Fascinating patterns can be taken directly from baskets woven by the Amerinds. The Aboriginal American Indians living in the Stone Age and never advancing far enough in civilization to construct crude looms for weaving, yet made baskets of fine workmanship. When design entered into the Indian baskets, it had the conventional elements so desirable in floor coverings. The oval and round shapes of flat baskets offer patterns that can be copied by counted stitchery. They supply both shape and designs without alteration being necessary. See Plate 15. The picturesque patterns found in Peruvian and old Inca textiles lend themselves remarkably to rug making. Designs can be taken off on crossbar drafting paper. The novice may find it wise to use this paper to take off basketry patterns that are at all intricate. It may be added that in crochet adaptations made from baskets there is found a relative quality in the stitchery that is in close parallel. Ancient beadwork designs are also excellent to use in rug patterns. Cross stitch, ancient and modern, can be wrought in crochet since one stitch occupies a space approximating a cross stitch. Filet patterns can also be used if each square of crochet is reckoned as occupying that of a block or space and no open work is made. To bring out the patterns, blocks must be done in color against a contrasting background, corresponding to the spaces. In cross-stitch and fillet patterns, particular care must be exercised to pick out those suited to rug craft, as so many are intended for dainty embroideries or lace work, rather than for stout floor coverings. The size of the crochet stitch must be remembered, 2 to 4 to an inch, as it greatly magnifies the pattern. Silhouette crochet rugs are in line with the fashion for this style in rug craft. Nothing is much easier than to copy patterns in this two-color work. A printed silhouette can be squared off as previously described and a rug pattern result. Or some pattern brought out for cross stitch as for example the one on page 183 can be followed in crochet. It is so usual for women to design their own crocheted rugs that special attention has been given to suggesting interesting avenues for inspiration and ways and means of using data so acquired. Another opportunity for fashioning attractive rugs is found in the use of applique motifs, whereby an ornamental embossed effect is achieved. Still another way is by the assembling of separate units, as found in the quaint lozenge rugs of olden days and in the tessellated rugs of the present time. See Sampler E on plate 11. The rug composed of separate units is a kind well adapted to carpet size floor coverings. These can be made in any dimensions. In all the rugs previously described, little mention has been made of any but smooth-faced surfaces. An entirely new type of crocheted rug comes to light in pile crochet. In these rugs, design is brought out, as in Smyrna knit pile. The only difference being that plain crochet is used as a foundation instead of knitting. The crocheted pile can be composed of separate short lengths of medium, and any color can be used independently, as in knot pile carpets. Or a loop pile of a continuous length of medium can be introduced, as in the second type of pile knitting. Ravel pile knitting cannot be simulated in crochet. It belongs solely to knitting. The technique of Pile Crochet is explained fully in the latter part of this chapter. As the introduction of design in Pile Crochet duplicates that of Smyrna knitting, it would be redundancy to repeat it. By thus cutting short the account of the work, it must not be understood that it lacks significance in rug craft, but that directions can be found elsewhere in the book. Those who prefer the craft of crochet to that of its sister craft, knitting, will find that crochet lends itself admirably to the making of pile rugs in intricate or simple patterns. Part 2. Tool, Stitches, and Mediums The crochet hook is the sole tool and equipment used in the making of crocheted rugs. It should be sufficiently large to be congenial to the medium, which is coarse, It should also be light and strong. Aluminum hooks are lightest, though wooden and bone hooks are generally employed. An extra-large hook comes in wood. Steel, the best for fine crocheting, is too heavy for large needles and is not made in sizes suited to rug craft. It is from the tool that the craft of crochet gets its name. The word, which comes in French from croche, and in Danish from crook, immediately suggests the anglicized words crook and hook. The highly polished and finely finished crochet hooks of today are but improvements on the original sewing needle of prehistoric times, which is described as a rude bodkin having a hook instead of an eye. With it, fibrous tendrils and threads were poked and pulled through a textile. So admirably is the hooked needle suited to rug making that it is frequently appropriated for other rug crafts besides crocheting, notably hooked rug work and certain kinds of knot tied pile. The rug hook used is nothing more nor less than an enlarged crochet hook of the type used in timber work. It is with the hooked needle, in large size and having a short shank, that most crocheted rugs are made and it is this sort of needle that is requisitioned for other crafts. The needle with a long shank and ball tipped at the end opposite the hook is required for rugs made in afghan stitch. This long needle is necessary because, as in knitting, all stitches are cast onto one needle. Indeed, in Afghan, Tunisian stitchery, the resemblance of crochet to its sister craft, knitting, is emphasized. It is a veritable knitting with one needle, though it would be a task to do without the aid of the crochet in the needle. So closely allied are the two crafts that crochet is now classified as knitting work done with a hook instead of with pins, as the needles are also called. From the fact that the stitch evolved from embroidery and is also akin to knitting, It will be seen that crocheting holds an intriguing position between the two crafts, coupling distinct characteristics of embroidery and knitting through the one item of stitch formation which is equally chain and loop. It is with great effect that these can be employed in rug making. Crochet stitch, in whatever different form it appears, is never anything but a loop or a succession of loops drawn through one or more other loops. Variety is gained in the method these loops are taken, the number of overs, times that the thread is put over the needle, and the way the thread is drawn through the crocheted material already made. By such means, a close, open, or lace stitchery is formed, the latter by skipping stitches. Close crochet should be used for rug craft. It supplies a firm, uninterrupted weave capable of withstanding hard wear. It consists of stitches without overs, taken in sequence through each stitch in a preceding row. There are many kinds of close crochet stitches, five of which are particularly suited to crocheted rug craft because of their strength and simplicity. These are row stitch, often called plain crochet, Russian stitch, piquet, half treble, and afghan. In order to facilitate home craft rug making, explicit directions for each will be given. All rugs are begun with chain stitches, so named because each stitch is a link of connection with the preceding and following stitch. The chain so fashioned may form a length determining the width of a rug or section of a rug. Or the ends of the chain may be joined to form the center for a round, square, hexagonal, etc. floor covering. Rose stitch is the one most commonly used in rug making. The only difference between it and plain crochet is that the needle is put under both loops of the stitch in a preceding row, instead of under the top loop merely, as will be seen. Rose stitch is thereby made stronger than plain crochet, with which it is frequently confused. Russian stitch is row stitch always worked in one direction. In round and oval rugs it would therefore not differ in any way. It is when the work necessitates turning to traverse back and forth, as in rectangular and square rugs and in runners, that the change is imperative. In each instance, the work has a decided right and wrong side. In Russian stitch, each row progresses from right to left, the medium being caught through a loop in the first stitch at the right and being finished in the final stitch at the left, after which the medium is cut and the end drawn through the final loop to prevent raveling out. This stitch lends itself, as does no other, to certain kinds of crocheting. Conspicuous among which is Oriental tapestry crochet, instanced in the foregoing chapter in the Ship Rug. Piquet stitch differs from Russian stitch in one particular only. The needle is inserted under the vertical strand of the stitch in the preceding row. The appearance of the work is totally different, however, for it has a braided effect on the wrong side, which generally is used as the right when the work is completed. Needless to say, since it is likened to Russian stitch, the crocheting always progresses from right to left, unless the work is done in one continuous journey, as in round and oval rugs. Half treble, although, strictly speaking, not a close stitch according to the definition, since it does have one over, is so compact, notwithstanding, that it actually is close, and therefore well adapted to rug craft. In taking the stitch, before inserting the needle in the interstice between two stitches in a preceding row, the medium is brought from behind and over the needle, which is then put through the work as described. A loop of the medium is caught and drawn through the work, caught again, and drawn through all three loops on the shank of the needle. The only other stitch requiring directions is afghan stitch. Conceded to be the easiest of all crochet stitches. For this reason, it has earned the name of idiot stitch and fool's stitch, requiring no mental acumen whatever to fashion. It is well to speak of this, for, as it is worked in two journeys, it takes longer to describe than any of the others. It is akin to knitting, and also must be made in strips or sections and then sewed together to form a rug. It supplies an extra firm weave, however. See plates 3 and 5, bottom sampler. Make a chain the desired length. Through the second stitch from the needle and each succeeding stitch of the chain, draw a loop of the medium and let it remain on the shank of the needle. This casting on of stitches is done in every alternate row, which is termed the loop row. In other alternate rows, the stitches are cast off as follows. Catch the medium with the needle and draw it through one stitch, catch it again, and draw it through two stitches. Continue in all but the first stitch to catch the medium and draw it through two loops. At the final stitch in the row, all the stitches but a single loop will have been knit off the crochet needle. In the third and each succeeding loop row, insert the needle under the vertical line of the stitch in the preceding row. These vertical lines are so clearly visible in the crochet that it has acquired the name of Railroad Crochet. Three significant names for this stitch having been given, two others of historical value may be mentioned. One Victorian Crochet, denoting the reign in which it was originated, and a second Princess Frederick William Stitch, setting the time of its appearance even more precisely. It was given this name to honor the princess who was united to the English prince just at this time. In all the names except one, Trico Stitch, there is purport, but it is in Afghan Stitch that its alliance to rug craft is notable. Afghan Stitch is always worked on the right side, but in such a way that it progresses in alternate directions without breaking the medium. Rugs in this stitch are rectangular or square, never circular or oval. Oriental or tapestry crochet employs no stitch peculiar to itself as apart from other rug craft crochet, as does afghan work, yet it is distinctive, as has been instanced. It is simply one form of plain, close crochet, known as Russian stitch. It is entitled to the names Oriental or Tapestry crochet only when many colors are wrought into the stitchery, thereby instilling pictorial or pattern elements reflecting tapestry characteristics or suggesting Oriental stitchery. Fortunately, this is as easy to accomplish in crochet as in color embroidery. To facilitate the work, it is wise to wind each color into small balls, for in working this prevents the strands from getting tangled. The balls must be light, so that they do not drag on the stitchery. When colors are used up before the requirements of the pattern, new balls of light color should be added. As the work progresses, the loose ends dangling from the back of the work should be fastened off securely by running them in a weaving fashion through the back of the stitches. There is no occasion for the tips of the medium to be entirely concealed. They are on the wrong side, and can be left slightly shaggy once the stitches are tight. Tapestry weaves and embroidery are thus uneven, and likewise Schmacka rugs, which are a type of genuine oriental tapestry. The mediums best suited to crocheted rugs are yarns, rags, jute in both yarn and rope sizes, and wool and cotton roving, which, for rug making, comes slightly twisted and is given the name of rug yarn, although there are far finer wool rug yarns than these. Some other mediums are chenille and caterpillar braid, an antiquated crochet medium, ravelings from carpets, and also from knitted and crocheted articles, stockings, twine, string, clothesline, and woven silk cut into strips. Twine, string, and clothesline are used in conjunction with other mediums. The first two are used for stitchery over the last, or over folded, bands of textile about one-half inch wide, after it is turned in at each side and down the center. The last, as a filler, is apt to be entirely concealed, though sometimes it is glimpsed between stitches. It supplies great durability and adds extra thickness. It can be made an ornamental element when crocheted over in a contrasting color of coarse string or jute. Silk is ill-adapted to crocheted rugs in flat weave, and but little more so in pile rugs, it is too delicate a textile. It is true that there is precedent for silk rugs, as instanced in choice oriental carpets, but these are not pile, and of silken threads, not strips of a fabric, between which there is a wide difference. Moreover, silk oriental carpets most frequently found in Chinese floor coverings were, and still are, especially reserved for rugs in mosques, temples, and palaces, and for wall hangings, and were never intended to stand to the tread of boots and shoes. The width of rag strips for crocheting rugs may vary from one half inch to one inch, or even more if the textile is very sheer. The difference may be due to the type of rug being fashioned, or the rug maker's preference. One inch is the accepted width, however, for flat close stitch the 1 half inch width being practical in very few cases. The medium may be folded and pressed to conceal raw edges, or it may be used without any attempt to conceal the raw edges. The tips of threads that fray in most fabrics will soon wear off when the rug is used, and the stitchery is such that further fraying is not encouraged. The material may be cut bias or straight, preferably the lengthwise, not the width of the goods. It should be borne in mind that knit goods, when used for rug strands, is used on the wrong side, because of the natural tendency of the material to curl over the right side, leaving only the wrong side exposed. By so doing, a sort of rug yarn strand is formed, which lends itself admirably to rug craft. The wrong side is equally as attractive as the right for this purpose. Goods of different weights that are used together must be so cut that the width of each supplies strands of approximately the same size. For example, if the width chosen is one inch, to suit the majority of the cloth, that which is heavier must be cut somewhat narrower, and that thinner must be cut wider. It is only when the materials combined are in strands of the same size that a rug can be well constructed. This is the first essential. The embossed crocheted rug is a distinctly modern floor covering, made only in recent years or in such exceptional earlier instances as to leave no impression on the rug craft. The embossing consists of applique motifs crocheted separately and sewed onto a foundation of plain crocheting. There is no reason for restricting these rugs to any special medium, for they can be developed in one as well as another. Nevertheless, so far jute has proved the prime favorite, few rugs being made except in it. For this reason, full directions are relegated to the chapter on jute floor coverings. In that chapter will be found many other types of crocheted rugs, which also can be developed in other mediums. They are given in the jute category because especially well adapted to porch rugs, and for them, jute is chosen as most nearly akin to grass and fiber, popular for porches. In turning from the crocheted rugs developed in flat stitchery to those made with a pile, It will be found that both looped and cut pile can be fashioned easily. Loop pile is made by winding the medium over the forefinger or about a flat strip of wood or metal technically known as a mesh and catching the loop so formed into the stitchery of plain crochet. To do this, the crochet needle is first inserted under both loops of the stitch in a preceding row, row stitch. Then the medium is brought down, under, and about the mesh, caught by the needle, and then the stitch is completed. Only an expert should work without the mesh, for although it is quite possible to form the loop about the forefinger, it is not so easy. Every other row should be in plain and every alternate one in loop stitch, for thus only can the loops all be on the same side unless Russian stitch is used. In this, worked always from right to left, each row can be loop and a much closer pile result. Cut pile is made by doubling a bit of medium, either yarn or fabric cut one quarter inch wide and one or one and one quarter inches long, and catching the loop with the hook inserted under both loops of a stitch in a preceding row and then completing the stitch. The 1 and 1 quarter inch length is recommended, as it takes the medium up a bit in forming the stitch, and a 1 half inch pile is a good depth. As each pile stitch is an entirely separate unit, copying designs in any of the various methods described is no trouble whatsoever. The pile stitches must come on one side of the work only, either in alternate rows or in succeeding ones in the Russian stitch method. When the medium is fine yarn, use more than one strand for either the loop or cut pile. In the loop pile, the medium would have to be wound twice around the mesh instead of but once. The stitchery of crocheted rugs, whether in flat or pile surfaces, is never anything but simple and easy. If patterns are correctly chosen and mediums conform to the type of rug being developed, rugs can be handsome as well as practical. Those described in the present chapter are especially intended for use within the house. In the chapter on jute rugs, those for porches and sun parlors are given. This does not mean that some of the rugs herein described cannot be used on porches, nor that all rugs noted in the jute chapter are barred from indoor use. The India Drugat, for instance, naturally comes under rugs made of jute, but candlewick may also be used, and in either style the rug can be used indoors or out. It is for the rug maker to suit the stitch to the style and the style to the purpose. End of chapter 7